0: good morning, good morning. Uh, happy mother 's day uh, to all you moms uh, we 're going to uh, enter into a, a sermon today on on the topic of honoring and uh, we 've been in this uh, sermon series the, the last uh, six or seven weeks or so on uh, marriage, and uh, it's called the Gospel Marriage. And this sermon today could easily fit into that sermon series because the idea of that series is when we internalize the good news, when we internalize the gospel, it impacts every relationship that we have. And one of the things that, that we know, and I'm going to work us through the scriptures here, is that this idea of honoring, of being an honoring person, uh, is all throughout the scriptures. So let's pray, and then, then we'll get into this, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you. Uh, for this day, we thank you for your word. And I, I just want to pray that we would be a people uh, and a church of, of, that, that honors one another. Again, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So, several uh, years ago, we were in a sermon series, kind of working uh, paragraph by paragraph virtually through the book of Romans. And during that series, I came across this text. We'll put it on the screen for you. It says, Give to everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes, if revenue, then revenue, if respect, then respect, if honor, then honor. And ever since that that series, and it was several years ago, uh, I really became intrigued with this idea of who do I owe honor to? And if I owe certain people honor, am I paying what I owe? Am I a person that's paying my debts in that way? Have I been withholding honor from someone? Someone that I should be paying honor to, have I been withholding that from them? Or am I, am I uh, paying what is essentially owed? Because as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we are called to love and honor. And I wanna be a person, uh, I decided this several years ago, I wanna love honor. I wanna be a person that gives honor. But the question is, who exactly are we supposed to honor? And I am so glad you asked that question. All right? Um, let me show you this in the text, Right, Exodus twenty twelve. This is from, your, uh, from the Ten Commandments. It says, honor your father and mother so that you may live a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. There's your happy Mother's Day text right there, all right? That you can begin, today's a great day to begin this journey of being an honoring person, by honoring your your mother. It's biblical. We're called to honor our father and our our mother. And we'll talk about uh, this a little bit later. But one of the the benefits is one of the only 10 commandments that comes with this kind of clause, that it may go well for you. That when you become an honoring person in life, uh, just generally it goes well for you. Uh, Let me give you another text. Give proper recognition to those widows who are really in need. A better translation of this would be give proper honor to those widows who are really in need. That we can honor those who are going through a difficult time and who are going through a frustrating time and need our help. First uh, Timothy five seventeen. The elders who direct the affairs of the church, well, are worthy of d- double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So uh, uh, so we're taught by Paul and Timothy that we ought to pay honor to our, the elders of our church, and we talk about that every year as well. First Peter 2.17, show respect to everyone, love the brotherhood of believers, fear God, honor the king. That we are called to honor those who are in authority over us, especially those in political office. And there has been the last, uh, not just this administration, the last several administrations, this has been a real downward trend in our society of of honoring those uh, in, in positions of authority. As a matter of fact, these days, those that are in positions of authority are the butts of more jokes, than they are the recipients of honor, all right? First um, Timothy uh, six one, all those who are under the yoke of slavery should consider their masters worthy of respect so that God's name and our teaching uh, might not be slandered. So if you work for someone, if you're an employee, if you have a boss, bum bum bum, you're called to honor your boss, sorry, all right? All right um, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. And in case we were wondering at all, Paul in Romans says, you know what? If you're wondering, just go ahead and honor everyone. <laughs> I probably should have started with that text. But um, go ahead and just honor uh, honor everyone. So basically, the the, the the Bible teaches that as we're meeting people, as we're interacting with people, we find ways to honor Uh, Everything. The other interesting thing about honor, as I did the word study, is that there's this theme about the life of the person who is an honoring person. I mentioned it earlier, that life tends to go better for the person that honors others. You see this in the the Ten Commandments right on through the the book of Proverbs. Let me show you Proverbs 11.25. To the person that refreshes others, he himself will be refreshed. Right? There's something in this area of honor and generosity that causes life to go better. And you just know this anecdotally. If you think about the people that you know that are living a good, successful lives, that they have healthy relationships, they are probably honoring people they probably honor others really, really well. Those that have struggled, and they've gone through lots of jobs, and they can't seem to maintain relationships, they probably are dishonoring. They, they probably struggle to, to honor others. They're, they're maybe rebellious, they, they, they dishonor others, and so life doesn't go well for them. So what on earth does it mean to honor others? I, I wanna spend a minute just to define that. And first of all, let me start this out by saying what honor is not, all right? Honor is not false bravado. All right, honor is not false bravado. Some of you uh, know the person who kind of hears a sermon like this, and they want to say, I want work, or I want relationship. I want whatever to start going better. So I'm going to start to try to honor others. And they just go over the top, and they think it's honor, but it's ooey-gooey stuff that almost makes you nauseous. All right? and, and some of it's not even true. I remember very early on in my career, I was working with somebody, uh, and uh, they were, uh, I think, trying to kind of flatter me up. I think they wanted me to go along with them on a decision or whatever, but they said, Steve, you're one of the most organized people I've ever met in my life. I started laughing, right? because that is a weakness. My wife's laughing. <laughs> that, that is a weakness, all right? I, I am not an organized person at all, and if you're using false flattery, or false bravado to get ahead in relationship or get ahead in life, people tend to see right through that. They, they tend to see what it, what it is. And at a minimum, it's not honoring. At a maximum, it could be considered lying, depending on what you're saying, right? Let me show you Proverbs 26. It says, a malicious man disguises himself with his lips, but in his heart he harbors deceit. Though his speech is charming, do not believe him, for seven admonitions fill his heart. His malice may be concealed by deception, but his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. If a man digs a pit, he will fall into it. If a man rolls a stone, it will roll back onto him. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Isn't that cool text? I thought that was a really cool text. Um, that, that people tend to see right through false false flattering. And at times when honoring brings life, false flattery can actually bring destruction. Lying can bring destruction because people tend to see right through it. They tend to see what you're doing and, and they, and it works against the idea of honoring. Um, honoring is also, it's not false flattery. It's also not refusing to have tough, tough conversations. But sometimes when you, when you teach a sermon on honoring, when you teach a sermon like this, people get, all right, so I get it. So I'm just supposed to let people run right over me. I'm not allowed to have an opinion anymore. And that's not true at all. I've shared this in the marriage series uh, before, but Cheryl and I have a rule in our house that if you can let something go, you should. Right. So wise, right? If you can let something go, you should. But if you can't let it go, you need to have a conversation. So honoring is not refusing to say, hey, this kind of is driving me nuts, or this, I, I don't like this, or this doesn't work for me. It's not refusing to have those conversations. It's having those conversations in a respectful and honoring way. So, so re- being an honoring person does not mean you never have tough conversations. If you're in relationships, you're going to have tough conversations. Um, so the question remains, what exactly does it mean to honor someone? Let me put my definition uh, on the board for you, just as, on the screen for you, just as we work forward, is honoring is choosing to see the best in a person and celebrating that. All right? Honoring is choosing to see the best in a person and celebrating that. Um, And Jesus was really, really good about this. Um, Let me kind of work you through real quick how how things worked in Jesus' day. Uh, In Jesus' day, if you were a really young man in particular, you would want to learn under a rabbi. And so you would go and find a rabbi, and they would kind of take you to rabbinical school, and then they would give you a series of quizzes to see how wise you were in regards to the scripture. And if you were, in some really obscure questions, you know, from, uh, from uh, the Torah and, and beyond, just really hard questions. And if you couldn't answer those, uh, or if you didn't answer them right, the rabbi would sometimes say to you, you really ought to go back to your family's business, because every family had a business. You're not cut out to be a rabbi. Well, every young boy in Jewish, in, in Jewish day wanted to be a rabbi. So it's like, you, you need to go back to your family's business. You're not cut out to be a, a rabbi. So Jesus happens onto the scene. And you remember what his disciples were doing when he finds them? They are fishing. They are tax collectors. They, they are working in their family's businesses. Why? They have been rejected by other, every other rabbi that came before Jesus. But Jesus stops, and he sees something, and he invites them to follow to follow him, that, that, to be his disciples. And when everyone saw one thing in them, Jesus saw another thing in them. Jesus saw something different. And it's not that Jesus refuses to have tough conversations. Jesus was not a wallflower, right? He has tough conversations with tax collectors. He has uh, tough conversations with a woman caught in the act of adultery. He has a tough conversation with a thief hanging on the cross. Jesus had tough conversations, but he saw something in people. He saw something that other people didn't see. He saw the best and it wasn't false flattery. It wasn't any of that stuff. He called one of his disciples, Satan. Right? You'd never accuse Jesus of being a a false flatterer, but he saw the best in people and he lived in an honoring way. I was absolutely shocked by a study I saw the other day. The study said that for every honoring, encouraging thing that we say, we tend to say seven negative, dishonoring, and discouraging things. And think about that for a minute. For every honoring thing that we say, We all just statistically tend to say seven negative, dishonoring, and discouraging things. Can you believe that? Um, I want you to think about your ratio for a minute. What is your ratio of honoring to dishonoring? What is your ratio? What would your kids say your ratio is? Uh, what would your spouse say your ratio is? What would your parents say your ratio is? What would your friends say it is? Ask God, what would he say it, it is? Because I believe that this has the power to change and transform some relationships in our lives. Relationship with our mom and dad, relationship with our children. If we just think about our ratio, is, is that really true of me? That for every honoring thing that I say, I, I tend to say seven uh, dishonoring things to the people around me. Think about how destructive this can be. I wanna go back to our marriage series just for a minute. We talked in that series about how a husband's greatest need is for respect and that he desires to be seen as a leader and a difference maker in the household. Think about that man and the people in his life criticizing him, seven to one, criticizing him and complaining about him and not seeing the best in him. That has the power to to, to crush that guy. Think about the female, what we talked about in the the marriage series, the female's need for for love and to know the people in her life love her and care about her and and adore her. Think about if that wife or that mom or that person is is in a relationship with someone that has this ratio messed up, seven dishonoring things to one honoring thing, it's going to leave her crushed. And I talk to a lot of people that are feeling crushed in this world, not just in terms of marriage, but in terms of relationship, crushed by negativity. Uh, and I'm not saying fake it. I'm not saying don't have difficult conversations. I'm saying, what if we begin to ask God to help us to see the best? God, with the person I'm married to, God, with the person, people I work with, God, with the people that I'm sitting by right now, help me to see the best, help me to celebrate the best, help me to focus on the, the best. And I know people that say, because I've interacted with people like this before, well, there's nothing to celebrate. And can I say to you in love, I know it's Mother's Day, and you're not supposed to talk this way. That's your sin, not theirs. Right, that, that that person is a child of God, created by Him, uh, created uh, for His glory. That person is a child of God, and you're telling me you can't find one thing to celebrate in them, and uh, or, or or her. I believe that's negativity and anger just getting in the way of this idea that we are called to see the best. We are called to celebrate the best. We are called to focus on the best. When you uh, come into our house, when you enter our kitchen, as you're walking through our kitchen, you turn to the left, there's a piece of scripture there, and I want to share it with you. Because Cheryl and I, very early on, when we moved into this house, we said, we want to be reminded of this idea daily. So every day we see this text. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about it. These things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And here's my question What if we took that really seriously? in our marriages and in our families and in our lives? What if we took that verse really, really seriously and we said, yeah, there's some things that are getting under my skin at work or there's some things that my spouse does that I don't like, but whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is praiseworthy, I'm gonna start to think about those things. And, and science is just kind of catching up with the Bible on all this. Um, I, I read a study a couple of years ago now that they did it with a hundred couples and they were interviewing them and they kind of separated the groups into those that were happy in their marriage and those that were really unsatisfied in their marriage. And they, they started with the kind of happy group, those that articulated, you know, like on a scale of one to 10, that their marriage was like an eight or a nine. They, they were really happy uh, in in marriage. And uh, one of the things. Um, that they discovered about those couples, is they said, tell me something negative about your spouse. And the couple that was in uh, the, the happiest kind of category had a hard time coming up with stuff, right? And they'd been married for a long time, but they just had a hard time coming up with, with negatives. Now, the other group that said, th- that was kind of a four or five kind of unhappy in their marriage, said, tell me what makes you unhappy uh, in your marriage. They had no trouble at all. They said, let me start with the toothpaste, and they went on from there, right? And, and they had no trouble just rolling off one thing um, after another. And some of you would, would want to say about the, the first couple, well, they're delusional. They're not paying attention to stuff. They're delusional. Maybe they are, but they're happier than you. <laughs> right? I wonder what would happen if we decided to be more delusional. And we decided to pay attention to less to the stuff that bothers us and pay attention more to the things that can be celebrated. It's a choice to honor um, the people around us. It's a choice to see the best in them, to honor them and celebrate them in that way. And like I said, today's a great day to start with this. Mother's Day. Um, and if um, uh, you're you're like me, and my mother passed away uh, year, years ago, um, I get to honor uh, my kid's mother, who's an incredible mother. And you can there, there's probably somebody in your life that you can begin to practice the discipline of honor, um, because a lot of uh, a lot of this, I think, is a discipline. It's choosing to see the best and choosing uh, to celebrate the best. We've been uh, married. Uh, um, going on 15 years late, later this year. And I, I uh, kind of had a funny memory the other day of when we were first married, we'd been married about six months, and uh, we went to uh, Alaska with Cheryl's family. And we were on this cruise ship. Uh, we were doing the Alaska cruise, and we must have been given something off, you know, just married or, or whatever. And, and person after person was kind of coming up to us and going, you guys must be newlyweds. And uh, I remember uh, that Cheryl and I had the same reaction. We're like, newlyweds? We've been married six months. <laughs> what are you talking about newlyweds, right? And, you know, just that kind of young kind of attitude about, yeah, we've been married a long time. This, you know, and, and now that, that we've uh, been married 15 years, I can say this still has as much power today as it does that, Um, for, for newlyweds. That maybe uh, when, when you're newlyweds, that, that discipline is, is there a little easier for you. But I'm telling you, after 15 years, seeing the best and celebrating the best is a really great way to live. It's a really great way to live, to, to choose to celebrate, to, to choose to honor, to, 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 to choose to focus on the best. And so here's my question. What would it be, happen in your family if you honored your parents this way, the way the Bible's talking about? Uh, if you saw the best and celebrated the best? What would happen in your marriage if you started to treat your spouse this way, saw the best, and celebrated the best? What would happen in this church if we chose to treat each other this way, we saw the best and honored the best. What would happen in your work and with your boss if you honored this way and saw the best and celebrated the, the best? Isn't what God said true? Despite my pause in child dedication, I, I, do, I, I, I do think this is the best way to live. You know, you know like, Are you gonna raise your child in the way of the Lord? Uh, yes, I am, all right, so. But isn't it true that things would go better for us, right? This isn't just do it because the Bible says. This is a little, I want to appeal to your sense of self for a minute. That, that life would go better in your marriage, Life would go better in your work. Life would go better in your relationships if we saw the best and celebrated the best, if we honored one another the way the Bible says we should honor one another. And it's not always easy, and respect can be hard, and seeing the best and celebrating the best across the board can um, be a discipline, but it's so worth it. And I'm telling you, some of you, you've got to think about your ratio a little bit uh, of, of, of negative to honoring, Some of you, you may not even realize you're doing this. Some of you are kind of crushing the people you're in a relationship with because God wired them up for respect. God wired them up for love and your words have the power to encourage that in them but your words also have the power to crush them. And I know you don't wanna do that. I know you don't wanna do that but some of us, we have to think about our ratios a little bit. Man, am I one of those people that really, for every positive thing I say about a person I love, I say seven negative? Am I really that person? Uh, am, Am I the average or am I head of the average to really think about that and to think about the weight of negative words and the power of honoring words? How do you do that? How do we get to this place? Well, I think Paul would teach in Philippians that there is a certain amount of this that is a discipline. It is choosing every day to get up and maybe fall on your knees and and asking God, God, help me to see the best. Help me to celebrate the best in in your creations that I interact with with today. But you know what? It's not just a discipline. It is a discipline that flows from grace. And that's why I say this would have fit in great with with the sermon series we we just finished. And here's what I mean by that. Some of us, some of you have a hard time seeing the good and celebrating the good because you don't fully understand the grace of our Lord Jesus. And here's what I mean by that. You understand it for you. You understand that you're forgiven and you're loved and Jesus died for for you and that you're set free and that you're a created child of God, but you're struggling to see it for them, for, for the people you're in a relationship with. That when you turn and you look at your spouse and you look at your children and you look at the people in this church and you look at the people that you work with jesus loves them jesus died for them they are a created child of god jesus has plans for them and this is the way in which the gospel or the good news should begin to change and transform our view of people that it's not just for me. We live in a kind of um, uh, individualized world where we just immediately kind of think about how it's for us. That, yeah, I'm forgiven, I'm set free, I'm going to heaven when I pass away and all that stuff. And we just, it's just human nature. We tend to think about it for us. But that person that you work with that's driving you nuts, God loves them. And Jesus died for them and has a plan for them. Your kids that are just kind of driving you batty right now, God loves them. Jesus died for them and has a plan for them. The person in your life that's just driving you crazy, God loves them. Jesus died for them and has a plan for them. The gospel's not just for you, it's for them. And hopefully as the wave of that truth crashes over us, I was talking to Sunday school this morning about my prayer and we're gonna... um, we're going to do a couple weeks on remembering here. And then over the summer, we're going to start a series on Jesus' stories about the kingdom of God. My prayer for us is that we would, be, we would fall in love again with God's grace and God's love and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and that we would fall in love with what he accomplished because when the wave of that crashes into us, it fills and overfills our bucket like a little kid on the shore trying to build a sandcastle. It fills and overfills our bucket, and that spills into every area of our life. His grace will transform your marriage. His grace will transform your work relationships. His grace will transform your family, but we've got to fall in love with it again. We've got to fall in love with it maybe for the first time. And as the truth of what he accomplished, not just for me, but for them too, as the truth of what he accomplished washes over me, it changes the way I love and it changes the way I honor. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your love. Um, Lord, I do, um, like I was saying to Sunday school this morning in my class, I want to see us fall in love with your grace and then extend that grace to every person we interact with. Because that person I'm having a hard time with, um, that person that um, maybe uh, rubs us the wrong way, they are loved by you and you did die for them. Help us to love them the same way. It is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.